Hi, welcome to Digging, the only podcast focused solely on infrastructure and the heavy civil construction industry. I'm your host, Taylor Maurer, Senior Managing Partner at HCRC, Heavy Civil Resource Consultants. In this podcast, we explore challenges faced in the industry, investigate the effects of politics, the economy, trends, including stories of success and stories of failure. It is our goal to provide interesting and informative discussions to help educate heavy civil construction professionals to be more successful and to cultivate the industry as a whole. So let's dig in. This is part two of our question and answer with Ken Simonson, the chief economist with the AGC. Tony DiStefano, vice president of human resources at Flinco, uh, he asked if you're going, if you think you will see any markets um, for growth potential under, specifically under the Biden-Harris administration, administration post-COVID. Uh, I think most of us suspect more renewable energy um, per, per what Biden had to say on the campaign trail. Uh, what are your thoughts? What other thoughts do you have on this? I agree. I, I think that we'll see um, support at the federal level for solar, onshore wind, uh, offshore wind, although there are certainly a lot of challenges to uh, getting that built and then getting the uh, transmission lines to connect the the power source to where it's used. Um, and certainly also for battery storage, uh, since the, the wind blows at times that we may not be uh, using as much power, the sun doesn't always shine when it, we need that power. Um, and also for vehicle charging stations. So I think there'll be a lot more along those lines. Uh, conversely, uh, we've already seen his first day in office, he stopped the Keystone XL pipeline going to be a lot harder to get approvals of pipelines and also of drilling on federal lands. So uh, even apart from what the administration will be uh, supporting or ordering or prohibiting, lots of states like California have been pushing toward renewable energy and away from fossil fuel-based energy. And that's uh, going to accelerate, I think, uh, for the next several years. Okay. Uh, any other areas that you specifically say this administration uh, having an impact on? Yeah, they're big supporters of expanding broadband um, uh, to rural areas and to underserved uh, areas within cities. Uh, so that will be uh, partially a matter of construction as well as uh, equipment and uh, subsidizing services of certain types. Um, the approach to healthcare and to education will be quite different from what we saw in the last administration. How much federal money that will entail uh, remains to be seen. I think it'll be a combination of uh, federal money being uh, passed on to states, um, perhaps uh, tax incentives for private uh, developers, um, but also uh, more investment in science and research that may ultimately lead to different types of construction. Okay. Let's see, Tom Griffith, president of Tykert Energy and Utility Group here in California asked, what impact do you think COVID-19 and remote working will have on specifically on the civil and highway infrastructure industry? 
do you think there's going to be, I mean, obviously we've seen the, some changes in regards to safety, but do you think any of that is uh, going to stay in place um, for, for the heavy civil highway infrastructure industry or, or just industry, the construction industry as a whole? Well, a lot of highway and, and other civil projects naturally allow more spacing of workers than when you're trying to put up an office building that comes right out to the sidewalk line and you need to have a lot of workers on several floors at once and, and very close to the public. So uh, uh, probably less project delay associated uh, with that kind of issue. Uh, it's not to say that uh, you'll be getting deliveries any faster than uh, someone uh, on a building project. Um, but uh, I think in terms of demand, once uh, of the, a couple of the sectors on the heavy and civil side have certainly been negatively affected. Uh, transit ridership is down drastically, and it's not clear that that's going to come back. And while uh, President Biden is a fan of transit and certainly the number one fan of Amtrak. Um, not clear that uh, transit systems will uh, continue at the level of investment that we were seeing. Uh, mm -hmm. And then airports, a huge drop, of course, in passengers and in uh, aircraft operations. So some airports have already canceled or postponed indefinitely uh, the addition of gates and uh, taxiways, maybe even runways. Sure, sure. All right, Brian Evans, Vice President of Operations for Branch Civil, which is a heavy highway contractor based in Roanoke, but serving the Carolinas in Virginia. Um, he asked, with the threat of coronavirus has been reduced to manageable or reasonable levels, much of the population has been vaccinated and herd immunity is upon us. Where might untapped opportunities lie for contractors? So when we get on the other side of, of, of this pandemic, where, where, what do you think will open up first? Yeah, uh, for, first let me say that I, I'm afraid we're a long way from reaching that herd immunity that uh, the last administration uh, really overpromised and underdelivered in terms of getting the vaccine out to populations and into people's arms. And, it's not clear how quickly we can uh, get uh, to uh, a real level that would give people the confidence to go back into offices, send their kids to school, go to restaurants and stores, and most of all, to uh, start traveling again and filling up hotels and airports and convention centers. But even once that happens, uh, construction is going to lag other industries, all types of owners, whether they're businesses that wanted to build a new facility for themselves or developers and investors or uh, institutions such as universities or state and local governments. They've all suffered a huge drop in revenues, unbudgeted expenses, and a big question, or maybe it's been answered in the negative, will they still need that facility that they had planned on? So I think the construction won't come back uh, until the economy as a whole is hitting on most, if not all, cylinders. And even then, we will see changes. I already talked about how uh, the population growth has slowed down. I don't see that bouncing back. And that means slower growth of demand for construction. Obviously, for housing, 
if you have fewer households being formed, uh, also for uh, schools, for uh, retail, for uh, other consumer services, slower growth of revenue for particularly local governments, but also state go governments, and therefore less ability to fund public construction. Mm -hmm. uh, second, uh, the sh shift from retail to e-commerce, that's not going to reverse. So um, uh, retail will be uh, much more limited to uh, areas where you're getting new subdivisions and need local retail or stores being converted from one owner to another or repurposed from retail to say distribution facilities. Um, and then healthcare, hospitals have uh, been uh, badly hurt financially by uh, COVID while they may be able to charge or get reimburse somehow for uh, their treatment of COVID patients, they've had to keep away uh, many other patients, certainly the non-elective surgery, or I'm sorry, the elective surgery patients, uh, emergency rooms. And um, so I think, uh, and, and people may be more fearful to, to go to hospitals and certainly to nursing homes. And yet we're gonna have more older people, more people unfortunately with lingering symptoms related to COVID. And so new kinds of healthcare facilities will emerge. And then finally, in the office area, um, a lot of office remodeling and reconstruction for some time. Uh, but after that, uh, are we going to go back to suburban office parks? Are we going to permanently have more people working from home and perhaps going to a co-working space when they need full office support facilities? Right, right. Okay. Brian also asked, due to the pandemic, related recession survey data is showing that construction labor demands have decreased over the course of the last year but the industry is still facing challenges identifying and hiring qualified candidates why is this well it's been a chronic problem for decades that uh, construction no longer has the favorable image that it once did particularly for kids who uh, really weren't oriented toward college uh, it's possible that now uh, more people will say, wait a minute, I'd rather have somebody working outdoors where it's easier to have uh, distancing uh, and uh, where uh, we know there's always going to be demand for construction uh, than to spend years in a college environment, which may not be so safe. It's certainly going to be expensive. And then go to an office job or, or go back to working from home. Um, people will decide that career in construction uh, offers not just the great opportunities that we've always tried to let folks know about, but is a safer choice for now than going into an office, let alone uh, a restaurant or other crowded space. Uh, mm -hmm. But um, I know some people think because of the job losses in construction, it should be easier to find workers, but many of those workers may not be in the right location, the right skill set, or they may not be ready to go back into the workforce, either because they've had coronavirus um, or they have someone in the family who they have to take care of. Uh, and so uh, I wouldn't assume that it's going to be easier in the near future to find workers. Okay. And, and that kind of touches on a, a question I had for you, Ken, which is over the last 20 years, how has immigration policy affected the labor force for the construction market? It, it's, it's no secret that many laborers are, are immigrants. 
And I'm very interested to, to know what you've seen and what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, um, we started to see a change uh, when the global financial crisis hit in 2008 or maybe a little bit before when housing went from a boom market to a bust beginning around 2006, that uh, particularly on home building, uh, that immigrant labor had been a large part of that workforce. Around that time also the Mexican economy strengthened and so uh, the immigrant labor had been predominantly from Mexico. Uh, many of them uh, returned to Mexico because of a lack of opportunity here and perhaps more opportunity at home and that never really reversed last decade. Uh, at the same time we saw quite a tightening of immigration policy. Um, more people deported starting uh, with the Obama administration, uh, fewer people allowed in uh, in the last several years. And so uh, construction has not been able to tap immigrant labor nearly as much as they had before. Uh, now, uh, the Biden administration, one of the many ways that we expect to see changes in policy is uh, to be more welcoming to immigrants. Uh, and so uh, we'll see if that opens the door to more people uh, from uh, foreign countries working in construction, but uh, it will take time to see that. Okay. Shane Aherns, uh, Senior Project Manager with Posado Construction in Central Texas, uh, asks, do you see any end in sight to the current quantitative easing policy used by the federal government? If so, how would that affect federal dollars spent on construction and how much longer can this policy last? Well, for now, the Federal Reserve has made it very clear uh, that they uh, plan to be accommodative, as they call it, and keep interest rates low uh, for an indefinite period of time. They recognize that uh, this is not the time uh, to make credit harder to find or uh, make it more expensive to pay off loans. And uh, the uh, newly uh, uh, appointed, uh, soon to be confirmed Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, of course, she was the previous uh, chair of the Fed. And I think that she'll have quite a close working relationship uh, with the current Fed Chair Jerome Powell. Um, so I don't expect to see a, a change in policy from the Fed or pressure to change that policy coming out of this administration for quite some time. Obviously, uh, if uh, another huge spending package passes, the 1.9 trillion that President Biden has already said he wants and uh, more to come for infrastructure, uh, that's going to run up the federal debt uh, very substantially. It's already running at uh, close to record levels as a percent of GDP. And uh, a lot of people worry about that, but I think unnecessarily. The U.S. is still seen as the most reliable borrower in the world, and uh, a lot of people would rather park their money here uh, than in their own countries. And uh, so uh, I think it does make sense to uh, continue to use uh, both fiscal and monetary, monetary policy uh, to try to get the economy back on track. At some point, yes, we have to work down that debt, uh, but it's not clear uh, how soon we need to do that. We're not in danger of running into steep inflation or interest rates anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Shane also asked, do you see the new administration cha changing policies toward China? Obviously, we saw uh, Trump uh, get into a tariff battle with China, and uh, I'm interested to know your your outlook on on that and and what it means for the supply chain supply chain of some of our critical mm -hmm. goods. This is one area that uh, the Biden administration, I think, has been less than clear about what substantive changes they would make. Uh, certainly, a, a change in tone uh, in wanting to work with allies and come up with on a, with a common front on many policies. Um, in international relations and specifically trade relations among them. Uh, but that doesn't mean that uh, Biden will undo all of the tariffs that, uh, that Trump put in place right away. And so um, particularly with regard to China, uh, where I think many parties agreed that China has been a bad actor in terms of theft of international uh, property requiring uh, Chinese ownership of joint ventures and, and many other ways that have made uh, China difficult a, a, as a market and as a, a, a producer to compete with. So um, while I think some tariffs on other countries may come down, come off uh, pretty quickly, uh, with China it's going to be longer. Um, so uh, we're likely to see uh, prices remain volatile. Just in the last few weeks, we've seen many steel product prices hit record levels and uh, expectations of people who uh, stay close to those markets that uh, they'll go still higher for at least a few months. Lumber prices have gyrated wildly, uh, even though the tariff on Canadian softwood lumber was effectively cut in half a few months ago. Uh, big, big rise just in the last few weeks. Copper prices have also rebounded sharply, and diesel fuel prices have gone up uh, gradually but steadily uh, over the last several months, although they're still below year ago levels. So uh, tariffs are just a piece of uh, what is affecting the price of globally traded or internationally sourced goods. And uh, I think contractors will have to expect uh, uh, more price shocks in various ways. Now, maybe some will be favorable shocks, but uh, more volatility than we had for a couple of years before the pandemic. Okay. Greg Harris, uh, CEO of Warren Environmental, an epoxy coating subcontractor, is interested to know um, if you think that COVID vaccinations will be mandatory within the industry, um, excluding religious or health reasons. Um, that's a, a very difficult call for uh, contractors, particularly ones that are using labor from a number of companies. So um, I, I think the contractors will be very hesitant to impose those requirements, but they may have owners who say anybody who comes onto this job site has to have been vaccinated. Um, so I don't expect the industry to take the lead on it, but they're certainly sensitive to wanting a healthy workforce and a safe work site. Um, and uh, so we're gonna see a variety of approaches depending very much on the owner, the state, and to some degree on the construction companies themselves. Well, and I think that uh, required vaccination policy is somewhat already in place and 
in other sectors like uh, with children going to public schools. Uh, they have to be vaccinated before they're admitted into a, uh, public schools, at least for some states, I believe that is a requirement. So it wouldn't be something totally out of the norm, I guess, something that would be unexpected to require vaccinations to keep their workers safe. That's right. Uh, but uh, I definitely think it's the one that uh, will de depend more on uh, project owners and on uh, state regulation or local regulation. Uh, Mike Higgins, General Manager of Concrete General Heavy Highway Contractor based out of the Metro DC area asked, what are the revenue sources to fund Biden's Build Back Better transportation plan? Part of the transportation calls for companies receiving public sector contracts to guarantee a choice to join a union and bargain collectively. How would this be implemented? How, what do you, how do you see that affecting uh, right to work states? Well, we saw the Obama administration try more than 100 times to put in project labor agreements. And uh, AGC uh, represents both union and open shop contractors. But we have a firm position that this should be something that's negotiated between each project owner and uh, the construction firm. It should not be mandated at the federal level. I think that those uh, uh, disagreements are likely to resurface, uh, but uh, how it turns out remains to be seen. Uh, he also asked, do you think we'll see higher goals for minorities in the public sector? I would expect that. I don't think that I've heard that enunciated yet by the Biden administration. Okay. Uh, Alan Cahill, president for, of Blythe Construction, part of the Eurovia Group, a civil contractor serving the Carolinas, um, asks, says a large sector of our business has always been with large private clients who are in the entertainment industry, hotels, theme parks. COVID has greatly impacted this sector. How do you see it changing in the future? You, you already touched on hotels. Um, what about uh, recreation, theme parks, uh, and other things like that post-pandemic? Uh, yeah, the, those sectors, of course, have been tremendously hard hit. Uh, theme parks and theaters, um, um, both uh, movie theaters and, and stage theaters and uh, concert venues have been completely shut down for almost a year in many cases and uh, don't have any quick prospects of reopening. So uh, I think a lot of those places are never going to reopen under their current ownership. That means properties that will be available for uh, other businesses that might have wanted to build their own will instead uh, think about uh, taking over a vacant property. So uh, I expect that new construction of those kinds of facilities is going to lag uh, many other type, types of construction. Okay. We'll, we'll touch on one more question from Bill Duguay, a former president of J.D. Abrams. Uh, he asked, Yesterday, President-elect Biden, and this was a few days since I got this question a few days ago, but President Biden-elect has included in his COVID relief plan, a plan to raise national minimum wage to $15 an hour. In many states, that is well above Bacon Davis-Bacon wages for multiple craft positions. Our industry is locked into long-term fixed price contracts, many of which are for public owners 
this change could have a significant impact on the cost of construction. Uh, what do you, what do you see with with kind of getting navigating that and getting through that? I think this will be very contentious in Congress, uh, so it's not clear that it will pass. If it does, I think uh, that fifteen dollar goal will either be scaled back sharply or phased in over a period of several years. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, it's going to have a differential impact. Uh, the prevailing wage is much lower in um, about half the states, uh, or let's say uh, the, the prevailing wage has been at or close to the federal minimum wage of $7.25 states. This is 25 cents in a, a nearly half the states. Um, and so those states are going to feel the impact of any uh, increase in that floor much sooner than states that in some cases have already gone uh, close to $15 or on schedule to do that in the next few years. Do you think that there is maybe a silver lining uh, to COVID for the industry? Wow, I, I, I'll have to mine pretty hard to find any silver in what's happened here. Um, I do think that uh, construction bounced back faster than the overall economy in terms of bringing workers back last spring. Uh, but that was largely because home building began to take off, not to mention home additions and remodeling. And uh, the non-residential construction firms were very quick to make use of Paycheck Protection Program loans. But that loan money has run out. There is another round of PPP funds available now or very soon. Uh, but unless a firm has good prospects, uh, there's no reason to bring workers back. So I think uh, for this year, uh, there isn't really much of a silver lining for the industry overall. As I've mentioned, several niches do look good. Didn't get into data centers, but that's one that uh, continues to be hot. That uh, relates to how we've changed our doing business, going to school and so forth. We need a lot more connectivity. Uh, the rollout of 5G, uh, we'll also provide uh, niches uh, for uh, cable and other contractors. Uh, but uh, by and large, it's going to be tough to find good opportunities. Okay. Besides COVID and COVID's impact on the industry, what, other, what are the biggest other challenges that you see facing the industry as a whole? Over the long run, construction really depends on economic growth, on population growth, and population movement. That uh, All of these, I think, are on a slower track than we're used to seeing. And we also have now uh, a growing overhang of uh, unoccupied structures or ones that need to be repurposed. So I think uh, for the next few years, new construction is really going to lag other parts of the economy. Uh, we may see more investment in reconstruction, repurposing, and we'll certainly be playing catch up on the housing stock. Uh, after the booming housing market uh, early in the century, we had really a decade of underinvesting in housing compared to the number of households that were formed. We started to see catch up in that uh, late last decade, a brief interruption, and now uh, it is really picking up speed. So I think housing and to the degree that that brings with it things like 
local streets and utilities and schools, libraries, firehouses, and so forth, uh, that will uh, help some parts of non-residential construction, uh, quite apart from what the pandemic has done. Uh, and then we are also seeing shifts in uh, the nature of economic activities. So um, certainly a, a long-term trend toward more distribution facilities, fewer retail facilities, a way of delivering healthcare outside of hospitals and nursing homes, which means opportunity as well as shrinking demand for some kinds of things. And manufacturing also changing. Uh, energy dis, uh, production and uh, distribution or, or uh, consumption also changing. So all of those things imply niches, new opportunities for certain construction firms, even as traditional forms of construction face less demand. I talk to a lot of recent uh, civil engineering graduates or engineering graduates in, in general. The feedback that I'm getting fairly consistency is many of that population are not interested in going working in the con for contractors. Uh, the 50 plus hour work weeks often required requirements to relocate uh, often for projects or uh, commuting uh, as well as fairly high stress levels um, plague the industry. Do you uh, do you see the industry adapting it all or changing to bring on this, this potential workforce? Well, certainly the pandemic has forced firms to get creative about how to have fewer people traveling, fewer on a job site. And so the technological advances that have allowed people to work remotely, to uh, inspect and supervise without being on site, those aren't going to go away. Those are uh, going to make it easier in some ways for engineers and many others to do their job. Um, but uh, I think also uh, the fact that uh, construction does pay well, it does have advancement opportunities that aren't available in every industry, uh, that those are uh, strengths. And then the fact that you can take pride in a finished project, uh, whether it's a, a, a an iconic building, a, a bridge or highway or other public works. I think that's always been something of a draw and uh, I think will continue to uh, attract some people to uh, civil and structural engineering jobs. Sure. Ken, I'd, I'd like just to kind of wrap this up by asking you, for those that aren't involved in the AGC, uh, local chapters, can, can you tell us about what people can expect in regards to what they get from involvement with AGC and, and tell us also about uh, your newsletter, both which will have uh, links in our podcast for so that uh, people have access, direct access to that. Sure. A AGC of America is uh, based in Arlington, Virginia. We have a staff of 65 people that cover the range of federal policy issues, whether it's Congress or the regulatory and executive branch agencies. And so we're a great resource for companies that need to know what's uh, likely to happen in terms of legislation and presidential actions, and, uh, regulations, whether it's uh, safety, health, environment, uh, water and land use and so forth. 
And uh, we work through a network of 88 chapters. All of our 27,000 plus member companies belong to one of those local and state chapters. Some are focused on highway and heavy and infrastructure construction. Some are vertical building chapters and some cover the whole sweep. Some cover a whole state, some of the building chapters, just a part of the state. So whatever uh, a company's needs are, or what kind of contractors it needs to connect to, uh, an AGC chapter, I think, is a great uh, place to get involved. And those chapters, uh, they handle uh, the same kinds of policy items that I ticked off at the federal level. They do that at the state and local level, uh, but they also uh, provide a lot of training opportunities, just as AGC of America, uh, a lot of uh, skill development, and uh, a, a lot of ways of networking in person or these days by Zoom and so forth. And then uh, you asked me to mention my data digest. That's my weekly one-page summary of economic news relevant to construction. And it goes to currently more than 50,000 readers. So I'm glad to add anybody on this podcast to that list. Uh, they can contact you or get to me directly at ken.simonson at agc.org. Fantastic. We'll include that as well um where we are posting the podcast so that people can access that ken thank you so much for providing time and insight as to what's going on in the industry these these very interesting times in, in the industry um we would love to connect with you say in two or four years if you're i have a feeling you may be retired but i don't think you'll be uh not paying attention to what's going on so we would love your insight as we uh, as we progress here in the future, but I can't thank you enough for coming on and being a part of this and providing excellent feedback for the industry. Thank you so much, Ken. You're welcome, and good luck to you and all of your listeners. All right, thank you, sir. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you found this episode of Digging interesting. I will ask just one thing of you liked this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends and colleagues. We welcome your feedback and ideas for future podcasts and guests. To connect with us, please email me at taylorm at hcrc.us. We want to thank everyone who contributes to the making of digging, including Lucas West on sound design, Josh Roberts for the kick-ass music, and our clients, for making it possible for us to fund this idea and make it a reality. And one last plug, if you're in need of exceptional talent capture in the heavy civil construction industry or consultation regarding the future of your career in the industry, please visit www.hcrc.us or contact us at 828-515-4272. Thank you, and we'll see you soon for the next episode of Digging. Check the episode notes for Ken Simonson's contact information, as well as a link to sign up for his weekly Data Digest blog. We're also going to include a link for the AGC website there.